Is that really you're gonna commit to the voice? Welcome this Welcome to Stan Hoses. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> does what? it feel like it's been like a month since we've last recorded to you two? It does, even though I did literally see you uh, like, like, like last Friday, like which a is a week ago. Wild. I don't know. I had like a moment this week where I was like, wait, did we accidentally miss an episode somehow? But no, apparently it's just been a really long week. Yep. Yeah, it really has. <laughs> it's been a long, long, long day. <laughs> week whatever year <laughs> it's just been a long one in general it's been a long one folks <laughs> well hello and welcome to stonehouse is an amateur guide to fiction fable and folklore i'm caitlin bruder and i'm laura bernadette meeker uh, happy valentine's day happy valentine's day or perfectly as far away from valentine's day as we could be equidistant from valentine's mm. day will be this episode and next episode so we had to pick one and we chose this one look it's I think this is close closer, right? Because the it goes up Mon- on the tenth and then the seventeenth, so the fourteenth is. Uh, <laughs> look, we happy Valentine's it. Day! Happy Valentine's Day! I hope you're in a romantic mood because this is going to be bo- by far the most erotically charged episode of Stone Houses. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and by that, I mean we're going to talk about Eros the. God and <laughs> entity. So, Eros. Eros. Uh, from Etymology Online, aka Etym Online. Etym Online? We'll say that. Yeah. Eros, noun, god of love, late 14th century, from Greek Eros, plural, erotes. Ooh, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's kind of like scrotes, Eros. <laughs> yeah. The erotes are actually separate god so eros is his yeah. own the erotes are a a small gaggle of gods having to do with relationships <laughs> i like the idea like if they're i like that he has his own like sub gods yeah, which I, yeah i guess it's pretty common in yeah. greek mythology uh god or personification of love literally from Eron to love or erasthi to love and desire yes uh, and then redefined Thanks, Freud, as urge to preserve self-preservation and sexual pleasure. Uh, Thanks, Freud. Okay, just want to say straight up, Freud was full of crap. He was yeah. really horny, and he wanted to justify his horniness and also build an entire uh, psychoanalytical culture about shame and uh, compulsive thinking that is harmful. Yeah. Thanks, Freud. Guess what? <laughs> Lots of people have compulsive thoughts, and that doesn't make them gross or evil. Thanks, Freud. <laughs> Thanks, Freud. Ugh. Anyway, so uh, Eros. <laughs> Eros. Uh, you might know it love. from the word erotic. It's best yeah. said by uh, by Sulu. I feel like, right? <laughs> that would be the best. That's the best way for that to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But. Oh my god, the name Erasmus is related to that. That makes me so happy. Erasmus is a philosopher, <laughs> and also it's the name yeah. of my giant stuffed tiger. Oh my god. So it's apparently a very loving tiger. Hmm, I'm weird. Glad. Okay, move on. <laughs> Moving uh, on. So Eros, most people would know as, in by its, by its Roman name, Cupid. Cupid. 
Keep it not like a little baby, because that's part of a conflation between cupids and cherubim, which are baby angels. Although, mm -hmm. I think in the Bible, cherubim are actually, like, wildly inhuman. I think at some yeah. point we'll have to talk about biblical angels, because they're all, you know... Yeah. I think it's pr pretty yeah. common knowledge by now of, like, wheels of fire is covered in eyes and what have you. Um, <laughs> I think that's yes. kind of regained some popularity as a... Uh, Mm -hmm. an image and i really love um, yes, yes, yes. love that kind of art it's great anyway Me too. oh my gosh yeah any anytime you get within the last 2000 years uh christianity and greek and roman mythology have some fun interplay that kind of warps our ideas of what things are uh anyway not cute little baby angel but more like a a hot sexy angel man <laughs> <laughs> with like imagine if you will like the world's hottest male presenting angel and give him like a bow and that's kind of Eros um, <laughs> he's kind of depicted as like a handsome adult man carrying like a lyre or, like, but a also because he was Greco-Roman it's like a hairless adult man yeah uh, yeah yeah we should say up top that despite how horny intellectuals are for greek and roman societies um they did have a lot of weird a lot of i should say ideas different to us and some of them mm -hmm. are troubling like for example the romanticization of young boys or uh their involvement in pederasty which is not cool but uh mm -hmm. i'm trying to not go a whole like cultural relativity whole thing where mm -hmm. you're like but it wasn't the past of, is a different country you know, that thing that doesn't make like, doesn't make it right. Doesn't mm -hmm. make it right. And that's my corner for that. So don't don't <laughs> do that stuff now. But we can talk about how uh, all of these these young sleek boys. Oh, no. Oh, oh no, no. I've just seen a terrible Roman Eros depiction. Turns out they no, this is not good. This is a bad corner. This is a bad corner where I discover some, like, super not cool uh, oh, pedophilic no. art by Romans. They weren't oh. good, okay? Not great. They were really weird, and they didn't... Like, okay, you know how, you know how in 300, like, the Persians are super, you know, inhuman and mean and whatever, and the, Ath the Athenians are, like, pure and thoughtful and whatever and represent thought and logic and reason <laughs> guess what if you're a woman you would have had a better like lot in life being a persian because you could have uh, like they had freedom of religion obviously it wasn't for everyone it was still you know 300 bc and everything sucked <laughs> yeah. but like it was still probably as okay or better than being part of the roman or greek uh, societies so like chill out a bit 300 <laughs> and romans romans are kind of just extremely horny for greek stuff and just renamed everything oh, to be about God. so imagine <laughs> if like some future society like 2000 years in the future was like god i loved western religion i am going to make my own religion that is exactly the same as Christianity, but all of the names are changed. 
like say like self-insert fan fiction <laughs> jesus and it's is like, now named horace and it's just and that's what they did <laughs> repapered anyway people super love to do that in history in general i guess because yeah. literally like well i'm sure like we've mentioned it before we've talked about greek roman stuff in the past and i'm sure it will continue to come up but for people who didn't take art history like this is so like to me is hilarious it's so funny the the stuff that they did they literally there's a subsection of sculpture art that is tight it's just roman after greek where they took greek sculptures and did them exactly the same but now they're roman and it's bananas i can't believe it i think it's so funny they did this with the entirety of the culture i feel like one of the only like Okay, sorry, classicists, I'm going to make a sweeping generalization, but guess what? We've already established that classicists are welcome to hate. Uh, uh, I feel like one of the most unique things Romans did was they made, like, hyper-realistic portraits of their patriarchs, which mm -hmm. was some of the first, like, really um, hyper-real sculptures that was going on because people didn't want to look at ugly stuff and a lot of these fellows were ugly uh but that's a pretty fascinating <laughs> idea is the idea it was like really closely connected to death mass and a um a kind of worship of your ancestry yeah uh, that kind of thing but anyway uh cupid eros same deal but with you know palette swap i didn't know until we started this that Eros, I know him as the son of of Ares and Aphrodite in mm -hmm. Greek mythology because they have a really weird, goofed-up family tree. It yeah, is yep. uh, very, very Game of Thrones, as you have as you mentioned yes. earlier. We definitely didn't have a rambling half-hour conversation where we struggled to figure out the family tree, uh, and then it all got deleted. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Aphrodite. Came from a shell, like in that famous painting, where a pretty lady stands on a shell all naked. Was she born of sea foam? Why do I? Is yeah, that, she's definitely. Or am I born thinking of Hans Christian Andersen? Am I um, thinking of the Little Mermaid? I think sea foam is correct, but also okay. it sounds better. Mm, that's um, true. But yeah, you know that painting of Aphrodite, all long hair, real pretty. Venus, I think, is actually who. I think it's. Oh, yeah, I think it's whatever. birth of Venus. Uh, and then same. It's uh, the same entity. Different Ares names. is one of Zeus's. You know war horny children being yeah. all being kind of terrible confrontational um, and yeah although i guess all the gods are pretty terrible yeah. uh if you're not super into greek mythology which i don't know why you wouldn't be because it's hilarious <laughs> in contrast to a lot of religion no that that's not fair a lot of religions have extremely goofy mythology uh oh no that was a bad generalization the point is that the Greek gods are all terrible. Terrible people who are in many ways a reflection of humanity. They're a bunch of Did immortal children yeah. and screwing and being terrible. Did Demeter ever have any bad... I remember really loving Persephone? Demeter growing up. No, Deme Demeter's her mom. Yeah, yeah. Mom. I thought you were going to ask if she had any kids. I don't know no, that Demeter ever did anything really cruddy but yeah she did get really mad and doom humans to uh to winter because of a bad thing that hades did i mean humanity probably deserved it but like i guess so yeah don't get me wrong <laughs> humans also stink but 
Yeah, they're all just kind of mean. I like Hestia. Hestia seemed like yeah. she was just kind of doing her own thing. Um, yeah, goddess of the hearth, right? Yeah, I'd be... Yeah. I'd Only be into, hunt. like... I don't know, uh, goddess of the hunt? I was going to call her Diana, but that's not her Greek name. <laughs> Artemis? Artemis. Also occasionally crappy, but, you know, more fun mm -hmm. than the alternative. I believe we did bash on Artemis... At one point in a previous episode, previous episode. Oh I yeah, don't she know was what kind episode of a was. like. Uh, I think it was how she might have treated one of. It was uh, how she Apollo's treated Medusa. Lovers. Oh yes, it was Medusa. That was. But I don't remember what episode it was in. But yeah. we did bash on Artemis for not supporting women. <laughs> yeah, none of the uh, none of the female gods are particularly um, lady supporting. Into solidarity. No, yeah. they're kind of like a. I'm not like other girls. <laughs> oh no, you're right. <laughs> That's absolutely what. Well, to be fair, one, all of these were written. Well, a lot of these were written by dudes, mm -hmm. and uh, also it's hard to be a lady. End of yeah. sentence. But yeah, they're yeah. very much like. Oh, I'm just one of the boys. <laughs> That's very much Athena and yeah. Artemis. So, all this said, Eros. In some of the myths, specifically in the writings of, I've lost his name, Aristophanes. Uh, Aristophanes yes. is a comedic playwright. Um, mm -hmm. Back in the days when your two options for entertainment on a stage were, one, uh, everyone dies and there's a lot of blood and gore, or two, a bunch of people have uh, masks and fake phalluses. So really fun, you know, birth of fun theater. Fun dichotomy. Yeah. Thanks, Greeks. Thanks, Greeks. Um, anyway, apparently in some of his writing in, uh, in the Orphic and Eleusian Mysteries, which I only found out because of Wikipedia, uh, the Eleusian Mysteries. Eleusinian? <laughs> it's it's Eleusinian. Oh, no. It's Eleusinian. Eleusinian. Um, but they're basically these... Um... Okay, so for a really long time, stories relating to religion were passed down through a codified religious ceremony like uh you know how some churches i didn't do this but you know how they have the play of the baby jesus of yeah. like the that whatever that's called bethlehem and the star and the three wise men or whatever imagine that but with you know greek stories and you do that for holidays and for initiations and for stuff like that so you do this play of this story over and over and eventually it becomes a, a codified idea right so yes. basically the equivalent of that but way back in the olden times so uh apparently uh he was a primordial god which i didn't know there was <laughs> chaos night darkness abyss and then eventually love can i read the the quote from please read it <laughs> so i i think this is so dramatic i mean it is Remember, probably from Valentine's like a Day. show Use it's an Valentine's appropriate voice Day. no i'm not doing i'm not doing the voice uh <laughs> so i just i really like this excerpt i think it's very fun so when we say night it's nyx the god nyx darkness is erebus and then the abyss is tartarus so here we go quote at the beginning there was only chaos night darkness and the abyss Earth, the air, and heaven had no existence. 
Firstly, black-winged night lay a germless egg in the bosom of the infinite deeps of darkness, and from this, after the revolution of long ages, sprang the graceful love with his glittering golden wings, swift as the whirlwinds of the tempest. He made it in the deep abyss with dark chaos, winged like himself, and thus hatched forth our race, which was the first to see the light. Oh, neat. Yeah. So, in that version, Eros is like parent of all all yeah. pe- all men in He's the like capital origin. M. Yeah, origin god. I really like that. It's mm-hmm. kind of wild. Sometime we really need to talk about uh, the prophetic works of William Blake because I feel like he has very <laughs> similar energy. Um, yeah. Very chaotic before things more get turned into uh, stories involving people or kind of everyday things. It gets more personal later on with the Greek gods. You know, mm-hmm. having stories that have definite plot structures rather than cool more vague mythological stuff. Anyway, the version that we're going to talk about mostly is Eros, son of Aphrodite and Ares. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who, I didn't know one of his symbols is the dolphin. Yeah. Roosters, I mean, I get that. Flutes, roses, torches. I carry a torch for Eros. <laughs> In some of the Primordium myths, are like there are a couple different versions, um, and oh god, I'm gonna say his name wrong. Hesiod, 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 Hesiod. In uh, Hesiod, talks about Eros being again born from chaos and Tartarus, and in this one, he was the fourth god after uh, chaos, Gaia, and Tartarus, and he was described as one of two love gods, so Eros and Himeros, which is the other. They're both desire, I guess. Oh, love and love and desire, I suppose, and they both they're kind of like backups for Aphrodite They're, they I accompany her uh for, so from her from her conception from the sea phone uh they've kind of I think I'm pretty sure they're both in that painting with her that famous painting uh, oh, but I in this in in yeah in this I guess iteration of the myth he was involved with the beginning of the creation of the cosmos which is very dramatic and I love that um he blessed the union of Gaia and Uranus after which the universe was born yeah. And apparently he's so powerful, like, in these myths. I mean, I'm sure pretty much any myth, yeah. but, like, so just unbelievably, like, no one can resist his charm and, and, like, love spells that he puts on people, not even gods. So Love conquers it's very all. very interesting. Love yeah. conquers all. It's really and interesting it, that at the beginning he was so, uh, so central and so incredibly powerful, and then over the years he kind of got demoted to an aspect of Aphrodite. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea what could have caused that, but it's pretty Just wild that you go from... Yeah, it's pretty wild that you go from one of the key uh, pieces of your universe being the idea the of love and desire, gods. right? And then move it to more <laughs> physical things like darkness and uh, fire and what have you. Yeah. I think that's really fascinating. In like the later myths, as we mentioned, son of Aphrodite and Ares... He becomes this mischievous kind of troublemaker, making people fall in love, kind of all willy-nilly. <laughs> just enjoying meddling in, like in humans and in gods. And in just Midsummer the, Night's Dream. Yeah, just making drama, kind of. He's very much just into the drama. And I think that's... Uh, some of the stories gets him into trouble, but I think it's just, as a concept, is kind of fun. But the uh, erotes uh, are are the the kind of, like gaggle of 
of love ent- da- uh, deities. And so it's Eros, Himeros, who I mentioned earlier, Pothos, um, oh, I said it like there was another one. There's not. It's just Eros, Himeros, and Pothos. And uh, I think Eros is supposed to be love, Himeros is desire, and Pothos is yearning. So they're mm. kind of like Aphrodite's gaggle of just kind of her backup love girls, children. Yeah, kind of. They're her backup dancers. Uh, her Greek chorus, if you will. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, he's usually depicted... Keep in mind that Eros as an idea, as a depicted god, stuck around for over a thousand years, which is a heck of a long time to expect consistency. Yeah. Um, is depicted most commonly as, like, a handsome young man uh, with wings. Wings are almost always there. Um, yes. But because Greeks and Romans were kind of weird perverts. There are also some depictions where he is, I would say, inappropriately young. Uh, yeah. There's some cultural relativ- relativism going on here, but if that bothers you when you go looking for photos, uh, just be warned that there's some kind of squicky stuff in there because yeah. the past is a Not foreign right. country. Anyway. The past has some things they were wrong about. <laughs> yeah, the past has some weird ideas about things. Mm-hmm. Uh Eros was associated with... Eth- he has kind of a similar track record to Apollo. Handsome young guy yeah. associated with, you know, being boisterous and manly and youthful and maybe kissing boys. And uh, he always would have this... Well, usually he'd have a bone arrow or a musical instrument. Again, very similar energy. Um, yeah. In a lot of, like, Greek poetry, he's like uh, he's like this incredibly unsympathetic entity or god which i thought was kind of funny he was like just really careless and just like letting people agonize like shooting one half of a of a couple and not the other and just making them like like agonize over this love that would never come true or never bear fruit and it's just did not care and i was like wow dude you've got some like just if some you malice will. in there, but not all of it is like a lot of like the art and the stories are more like him, very fun and whimsical. But there is like in a lot of the poetry, he was very harsh. <laughs> Eros, rather than being say like, uh, like a unconditional or love that we would describe as like, oh, this is kind of a happy ending. It's kind of like he's kind of like the love equivalent of I don't know, like My Chemical Romance that you'd listen to in middle school. Like it's that <laughs> feeling where it's like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna die. I'm so sad and in love, and love is so mean. Ah, uh, the world is unfair. I'm sorry, I don't listen to My Chemical Romance. It was the first uh, 2000s pop punk band I could think of. So you know, he's kind of a scamp. Again, has very yeah. similar energy to Puck, who also famously. Uh, did some love shenanigans. He is most uh, frontal. If <laughs> most, most frontal in the story of Eros and Psyche, uh, which mm-hmm. we're going to tell. But first I want to bring yes. up that it's first codified or uh, written down account of this story was in uh, Apuleius's novel, Latin novel called The Golden Ass. Yes, it's it's metamorphoses. Yeah, I mean it's ah, it's I did not know that that's what also that was an alternate title to that. Yeah, and why I think not? that's wild. Yeah, it's um. So there are a couple of metamorphoses. If you've been listening to us, there's Ovid, 
and mm-hmm. now there's mm-hmm. Apuleius. Apuleius? Probably. <laughs> but uh, I would say The Golden Ass is interesting because it's, like, genuinely a novel. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, say, a collection of disjointed poems or themed poems yeah. or a story. So, yeah, uh, it includes that story in a in the way of someone within the story telling it to another character. So mm-hmm. there's some story within a story framing going on. And a lot of it has to do with transformation and, you know desire and stuff you know what people were into the point is the main character gets turned into a donkey (laughs) yeah and really that's the most important thing it really is before we get too far into stories though i do want to talk a little bit more about the 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 historical what was potentially the transformation from oh hot young man eros to baby potentially a baby hallmark cherubim (laughs) so we'll talk about stories in just a second but while we were in early greek poetry and art and stuff when it started transitioning into satirical works um there was there were like depictions of like a blindfolded dude carrying a bow and arrow who could make people fall in love which was like kind of somehow crossing over a little bit with the depiction of eros um and it was Kind of, this was kind of the precursor to like the chubby little Renaissance baby Cupid. <laughs> That's kind of where that came from. So, while we, well, like we mentioned earlier, as Aphrodite's son, as opposed to one of the primordial gods, creator of the cosmos, as as Aphrodite's son, he kind of loses some of his like that power, that importance, that like wisdom, and turns kind of into a little kid, <laughs> and he becomes like like a companion piece. And and uh, that's kind of one of the potential explanations of the evolving of Eros turning into into a little mischievous baby. But as Cupid, as as um, so so as Cupid in the Roman mythology is generally more depicted as the baby, yeah, baby with a bow and arrow. Whereas Eros, even though they're technically the same figure. That's one thing, one of the things that was kind of modified or changed, at least over time, or maybe by at the beginning of, of the Greek telling in antiquity, whatever, it was the adult man, and by the end it had turned into a baby, and that's what the Romans took, potentially. I'm not a, I'm yeah. not a well, historian. Also, like, I don't know things. The idea of one Cupid or Eros to multiple Cupid, or Cupids as, like, a species of little fairy baby. <laughs> yeah, little... Uh, <sighs> yeah. A tiny swarm of babies, but... Cupid Some as wave a wave of babies, yeah. As, as a wave of babies, as the as the Roman Cupid is usually is again much more childlike when depicted in art, uh, is with like like driving a hoop, you know, like that kind of a thing that you see. You're like, you know, now it's olden times in films because children are playing with sticks and hoops, um, like throwing darts, flirting with like nymphs, like hanging out with his mom, being scolded by Venus, who again Aphrodite but Roman. Um, wearing helmets, carrying, like, a buckler, which I thought was kind of funny, um, or, which will become very, uh, which is, well, is symbolic, catching a butterfly, Uh which we'll talk about, yeah, why that could be important later, but also, something that I did not know has, uh, Eros apparently has a brother, Enteros, who is the god of unrequited and spurned love. Aww. (laughs) Unfortunate. (laughs) I don't know where Enteros comes in to the stories, but someone did not come up with a very creative name. 
And Just Eros, but like, I hardly and know Eros. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, later on in history, you know, because Christianity, he briefly became kind of evil and stuff. But I think the idea of like little angel baby uh, got messed up. Like got lumped in with so many like pseudo pseudo classic classical <laughs> Christian imagery yeah. and you know important or famous art done but during the Renaissance like cute little ornamentation that it kind of lost its bite. Also, it's yeah. hard to feel like really threatened by a baby. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, they're just not super intimidating. Give a baby a bow and arrow. Give a baby a bow and arrow. (laughs) Give babies guns. Give babies guns. And that's the moral of the podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. And the moral of uh, everyone's favorite webcomic. Okay, let's not do this. Uh, Okay, let's see. Let's tell some stories. Okay, let's talk about Cupid and Psyche. Yeah. Actually, I want to just, like, there's a, a lot... They're they're just they're ton like every he's a popular Greek boy. figure. He's popular. There's one. There's one where uh, Apollo kind of made fun of Eros as an archer, so he fired <laughs> at, he fired a love arrow at Apollo and made him fall in love with Daphne, the nymph, which I believe is the subject matter of that Bernini sculpture that I feel like most Eat. people would kind of have familiarity with. That's what that's depicting. Um, there was he made Medea fall in love with Jason. Um, he apparently is the one who made Helen of Troy fall for Paris, so he was the catalyst of the Trojan War. Like, oh. he's always got his fingers in stuff. I felt bad for Medea, not so much for Paris. Yeah. Medea yeah. goes through a lot of crap and then gets abandoned, but Paris is just kind of bad judgment. Bad judgment times, yeah. sir. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So, like we mentioned, Cupid and Psyche is originally from... The Golden Ass, or a version of <laughs> Metamorphoses, was written, I believe, the second century AD? Is that correct? I think so, yeah. By Lucius? Yeah, so that would have been Roman. Or Platonicus? As opposed to Greek. All right. So, Psyche is a super lovely gal, incredibly pretty. Uh, she the, has two sisters. Youngest, the yeah. youngest and most beautiful of three daughters of she a king has and queen. Two, oh yeah, of a certain king and queen, which is. Of a, a funny certain, phrase. A an unnamed king and, queen. king and queen. Of an unnamed city as well. She's from somewhere. She's super pretty. Her sisters yes. are also pretty, but like, they're like approachable. No. She, mm-hmm. her beauty is intimidating. Anyway, she's so pretty that people stop worshipping the goddess of love, Aphrodite, and start worshipping this human girl. And yeah. as you guess, Aphrodite is not like super cool about this because... She, you know, women, haha. <laughs> yeah. So jealous. No solidarity. No yeah. solidarity. Anyway, she gets real mad and her, she tries to get her son to go do some nasty stuff. But on the other side, mm-hmm. on the human side of things, Psyche's sister simultaneously get married. So even though people are idolizing Psyche and literally like paying tribute to her, no one seems very interested in actually marrying her, perhaps because she's, mm-hmm. you know, unapproachably godlike pretty uh <laughs> yeah so the king is worried about this he's like what does this mean and he goes to see an oracle and the oracle's just like mm, dude she's gonna have to fall in love with like a terrible monster or something yep. it's just it's the way it's gonna be it's it, what did it say it was like a dragon that's gonna a dragon, destroy a flying their dragon. kingdom 
flying dragon that will destroy everything. And so he flips out. So what you gotta do... So what you gotta do... Is go put her on a mountaintop. Just leave her there. For her new uh, dragon husband. Mm -hmm. Checks out. So Aphrodite's plan was to send Eros to go force Psyche to fall in love with the ugliest creature on Earth. That was her plan. That was her master plan to get back at Psyche for being pretty. (laughs) Yep. Really uh, proportionate retribution. Yep. So, Cupid, there are some versions, I saw a couple that was like, he either accidentally pricks himself with his own arrow, and then subsequently the next living thing he sees is Psyche, so he falls in love with her. And I also saw one where he just was like, oh no, she's perfect, (laughs) and falls in love with her just regardless. Oh no, she's cute. Oh no, she's cute. I like that version better. Yeah, me too. Like, oh, I guess so. I got you, mom. And then he gets there and he's like, oh no, she's cute. (laughs) Oh no. I can't. Anyway. I cannot. He falls in love, and uh, they get... He uses some, like, god magic to kind of give Psyche, like, a cool place to live. And, like, she has this invisible feast. Well, the feast is real, but, like, the music is invisible, and it's all spooky and magical. And uh, her husband is invisible to her. Yes, he hides himself from her, but he just, he gives her this beautiful home to live in. It's, like, ethereal and godlike, and he, like, gives her everything. He just, whatever. And, and he's like, but, but you she, can't. She's, you cannot see me. Only lights off. Only lights off. <laughs> like that one song that I forget the name of. The point is, <laughs> uh, this falls into a category of stories that I really don't like, where someone gives someone else a really weird and arbitrary and uh, kind of gross rule that they have to follow, and if they don't follow that arbitrary rule, then it's their fault that something goes terribly. Um, (laughs) I would like to argue that if your husband, who you have never really met, and also you got put on the top of a mountain by yourself, uh, and you're all alone, and your husband won't allow you to look at him. Guess what? That's kind of a red flag. That's kind of, that's kind of a red flag, Psyche. Uh, Ugh. She's so in. She's super into it for a while. Yeah. Until, I mean, he's cool. He's nice. He give fancy he gives plays. her everything. But then her sisters but come then, visit. Yeah. His sisters, who you remember, are like married to kings. Oh, he didn't say mm-hmm. that. He's they're married to kings and they're super cool. Uh. Well, I mean, like, super cool kings, and they're really rich, and they're really proud of themselves. But, mm-hmm. one, they're kind of jealous of Psyche, because oh, women... They're very They see her... Women, written by men. <laughs> but they get to... <laughs> they, get to <laughs> they get to her fancy, fancy abode, and are super jealous by how perfect and immaculate and amazing everything. And then they start, like... I don't know if this is even the right word... Uh, they start just messing with Psyche's head, saying, like, are you sure? I bet you're married to, like, a horrible monster. I bet you're secretly married. They plant seeds of paranoia. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to tell her, like, oh, you've never seen him? Oh, ooh, ooh you that's know what that means. <laughs> oh, now you know that he's secretly the worst somehow. And she's like, oh, but he made me promise. Uh, so, yeah, bad behavior all around here. Yeah. So they they convince her that she needs to take a dagger and a lantern. They needed to hide them in her room. And that night, she needs to, when he, because he only comes at night. He apparently sleeps in the room with her, but he leaves by morning. 
in the middle of the night, she needs to light this secret lantern and take this secret dagger, see what he looks like, and maybe mm, kill him, I guess, is the plan. If he's, like, a crazy monster or something. Yeah. Which is, like, I don't know. He hasn't done anything wrong. I don't know why the plan was to just kill him. Don't get me wrong. Everything about this marriage is extremely suspect. Oh, it's all and a red... I'm super not okay with it. But also, like... It's all red flags. <laughs> I think I would like the story more if it was just, like, she's stuck on this mountain and growing increasingly paranoid because she never gets to see the other person. Yeah, I yeah. I feel like that makes human sense, but then... Yeah, but, you know, we needed, we needed the sisters because they later throw themselves off of a cliff. So yeah, man. they're important for that. I don't know. So she she does it. She lights the lamp yes. and he's beautiful and he's asleep and she's like, oh no, husband hot. She's startled by oh, how, no, he's how hot. gorgeous he is. Oh no, he's hot is basically. We have many moments of that and she is so startled that she spills hot oil all over him in the middle of the night. It's like he, a drop. It's like a drop. Yeah, it doesn't like. Well, later though, thing. like the point is that he's recovering from like major wounds. Oh, I it's thought like, he was he just can't... throwing a temper tantrum. Oh, maybe he's just throwing a temper tantrum. I read in it a golden as like... he uh, he basically wakes up and then it's like you ruined our relationship. You betrayed yeah, my yeah. trust. And she's like, yes, like what? No, wait. Uh, no. So she's actually super in love with him and has to go through all these trials to go and get him back. Yeah. But so the point he, is. He, but, He's ab- he has abandoned her, and that blows. Yeah, it really does. She kind of has to. She kind of just has to wander Earth looking for like her heart, like, like because she is magically in love with him, supposedly. Uh, yeah, I mean, and looking for her lost love, and she kind of finally submits to the service of Venus, who mm, tortures her for yep. a hot minute. Kind of a bad not- bad lady. Uh, it should be said that this one has some. Um, uh, interesting fairy tale implications because at the end she gets magically put to sleep and mm-hmm. um, Eros, at least in some versions, and this might be a case of like, this story got really popular again during during the Victorian era mm-hmm. um, of course because classicists and whatever so it might actually be an instance of fairy tales influencing depiction of mythology but in some versions yeah. Eros wakes her up with magic kiss I the, the four tasks that at least I had seen were there was um, after being like beat to the ground, beat to dirt, uh, Aphrodite gives her, or I guess technically Venus in the story gives her this pile of wheat, barley, poppy seeds, chickpeas, lentils, and beans, and she demands that they must be sorted by morning. <laughs> Very Cinderella. And so, like, kind of like in um. In the Akashi story that we told about uh, Prince Ivan, he, he bemoans his sadness and is ready to fall to whatever will happen, but then finds divine help. <laughs> uh, except doesn't except Psyche doesn't pass out and cry every time that yeah. she gets a challenge. She just kind of uh, uh, accepts her fate. But She's then, pretty like straightforward and yeah, and I think it, like an ant or something helps her with the first trial and whatever. It's sort of a morning, and Venus is furious. The second one is she has to, like, cross a river and get some golden wool from violent sheep who belong to the sun. And she's like, well, guess I'll drown. And that was her plan, was to go just drown in the river on the way over so she didn't have to deal with it anymore. <laughs> that meme of guess I'll drown. Guess I'll drown, yeah. And uh, But she's saved. She's 
She's saved by instructions from a divinely inspired reed that's mm. like a type that's used to make instruments, and mm. it, she ends up gathering wool from like the briars instead of Check crossing the stream. So Venus is still pissed. Last one, yeah. So last one, she has to go to the underworld, uh, or Hades, which is also named after the person who runs it, which is pretty hilarious, uh, and get a box with an elixir of beauty and bring it to Aphrodite mm. and not open the box. Because... Aphrodite feels like, because of this ordeal, she's lost some of her her beauty. (laughs) She's being very, uh, I don't know, annoying about it. Anyway. uh, There was was a a task before this, I believe. Oh. Because she had to go down. She she got, like, a crystal vessel that she had to go collect black water from the River Styx. uh, And she ends up being like, oh, this is too much. And she has, she does, actually, she does have a Prince Ivan moment and just kind of is like, this is it. I, this is the end. And then Jupiter takes pity on her and sends his eagle to battle dragons and retrieve the water for her. So (laughs) I like the idea. Jupiter is the same as Ares, right? Mm, No, never mind. No, 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 no. I like that. He's like, sorry, my daughter's being so wild. Here is some help. Yeah, basically. Cause so, like, so she gets help in every single one. So the first one, like, a little ant helps her. And then there's one, like, a, a magical reed helps her. And then Jupiter himself sends an eagle They're to help her out. for Psyche. Yeah. Uh, and then this might have been on the same trip where she still... Because okay. this is it is in the underworld. But that was part yeah. of a task list to collect so one. But she also this needed box, this box. And she's told not to open it. But gosh, Psyche gets too Girl, curious she and she gotta open it up. And then Morpheus <laughs> is hiding in the box. <laughs> I just like the idea of like a, a smallish box and she opens it and it's just kind of like Morpheus like pokes his nose and I was like, time to go to sleep. Good night. <laughs> clap on, clap off. Good night. I was <laughs> hiding in here for this extremely ornate ruse that makes a lot of sense. Um, but anyway, eventually Cupid finds her, Eros finds her, and I love the, um, the way that it's phrased. I don't know if it was phrased the same in what you read, but he returns the sleep back to the box, and I, I think that's very funny. He took the sleep from her and returned it to the box. Oh gosh, I need to use the sleep. I need to use the sleep. Where is the sleep? Uh, Did you not put the sleep back in the box? God. God, now I have How do we find, find anything it. around this house? This, this house is a nightmare. <laughs> this house is a nightmare. Uh, uh, so All right. Well, uh, reunited. Anyway, Zeus made reunited. They they decide to get married for realsies on divine terms, but Eros or Cupid has to get approval from like five different gods to mm-hmm. be with Psyche, and so he had to file the appropriate paperwork. He had to <laughs> <laughs> sign here, and he literally had to talk to like five different entities to be like, "Can we like please make her a god? I know I like abandoned her and everything, but like." I want to marry her, like, for real. Can this be a thing? And he had to talk to, like, five people and get it okayed. But he's a, she's eventually granted immortality, and they have a fancy god wedding, and they eventually have a daughter named Hedony, which means bliss. Very cute. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so from there, Psyche is now worshipped as the goddess resem- res- uh, re- resenting, that's not true, <laughs> representing the human soul, and she's portrayed in a lot of mosaics as a goddess with butterfly wings. Oh, an ambig- yeah. unambiguously wholesome story where nothing yeah. weird or shifty happens. Yeah, nothing at all. 
I, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking a lot about this while I was researching it. The idea of, like, resisting temptation in a lot of mythology, like Pandora's box. I realize in some versions, yeah. Pandora has been entrusted with, like, a sacred thing. But in others, she's just like, here's a box. Don't open it. They don't, don't tell her what's it. inside. <laughs> uh, Mari like, Marevna, I even don't open my closet. Okay, goodbye. Yeah. Door closes. I'm going to go look in the closet. I just, there's a thing in a lot of, uh, a lot of mythology and literature that talks about you know, the virtue of resisting temptation. But there's a huge difference between, like, (laughs) okay, I would define resisting temptation as choosing not to do something that is pleasurable in the short term because of long-term consequences. Would you agree? Yeah. Yes, So, like, if you don't understand what the consequences are, that's not resisting temptation. That's just ignorance and curiosity. (laughs) Yeah, that's... (laughs) So it's it's the difference between, like... It's the difference between, like, oh, I really want to have a marshmallow, but I know my blood sugar will spike. Or, like, my husband says I'm not allowed to open the basement door for some reason. I heard screaming down there. I should really look. But no, I can't. Like, that's not resisting temptation. That's literally just investigating the world in order to not die. Look, if any relationship involves or real estate deal involves just don't do this one specific thing that I won't tell you why not to do it, that's no good. That's no good. Uh, I've read some analyses of these um, in some similar ways to, you know, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, uh, I did see that. It has some influence on that. The idea of a it was young written woman. By, written by Gabrielle Suzanne Barbeau de Villeneuve. Villeneuve. La Whatever. Belle is bit. I don't. Very sorry. Gabrielle Suzanne de Villeneuve. Oh. Thank you. Nice. Sorry, French. Supposedly, I'm not sorry. Gabrielle Suzanne. I'm sorry, French. Gabrielle Suzanne was supposedely uh, inspired by the Cupid and Psyche story, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, there's this idea story. of. I would say it has a similar structure of you have a young woman in an unequal like captive relationship where she has like material comfort but uh not you know free will (laughs) free will uh and then there's the separation and then there's her tuning tuning choosing to return to the Mm -hmm. man and then they have a happy ending which i bring up because i've read a couple of analyses that draw the parallels between Beauty and the Beast and uh, Eros and Psyche and the unfortunate reality for many young women of arranged marriages, often with um, partners that they probably didn't like. There's this aspect of just be kind and listen to what your husband says and you'll have a happy ending. Even Mm. if he seems like a monster, maybe he's not. And it's not great but it is technically a kind of like survival story it's kind of a guide for young women over you know this 500 year span that i'm exaggerating a little bit but like the idea of even in the uh the novel the young girl takes hope from the story of cupid and psyche it's this obviously not super feminist in the modern (laughs) sense but in a more ancient sense it's extremely feminist to give a template to young ladies of here is how you survive this unavoidable situation (laughs) and uh, dark but you know but yeah yeah 
that's a, what a lot was... of a lot of stories, especially stories that are popular among women or sh- shared among women, tend to be a kind of survival story. You know, like Jane Eyre. Mm-hmm. Jane yeah. Eyre is almost <laughs> the same thing as Beauty and the Beast, uh, but with more wives imprisoned in attics who eventually set the house on fire. <laughs> Spoilers yeah, for Jane go. Eyre, I guess. <laughs> I made myself sad. Uh, one time, sorry. he tried tried to steal honey, and bees attacked him. <laughs> bees are funny. Bees are very funny. D and D. D and D. D and D corner. So, in three D and D three point five, there's a city called Eros. Hmm. That doesn't really have anything hmm. to do with it, but, you know, I don't know. And then in just general, Eros could be either, I don't know if it actually exists within or has been homebrewed as part of the Greek pantheon that, like, a cleric or a paladin could be in service to. But Cupid, on the other hand, there is a fightable creature Ooh. monster called, there's Cupid and Fallen Cupid that are pretty much the same. They're both small <laughs> celestials. One is chaotic good and the other is chaotic evil, respectively. But they're basically just little cherubs and don't really have anything to do with love. They're just, like, creatures. I think if you get one, I could be wrong on this, but I think if, like, I think it's a Cupid and then once you get it to a certain HP, it turns into a fallen Cupid like it was corrupted oh. all along. I don't know. I might be wrong on that. Um, D&D Beyond, however, has a homebrew Cupid, like the actual Cupid, and the bow... This short bow is nuts. So it's a short bow. It has an 80 to 320 foot range for a short bow. Um, so 80, sorry, 80 with straight roll, 320 with disadvantage. Oh my you can target one person on a hit, just 1d6 plus 3 piercing. But the target must make a DC 18 charisma save. Oh no. Or will fall madly in love with the first creature creature that they see. That they could reasonably be attracted to as part of the thing. So I don't know if that just means, like, a humanoid or what. But if they can attempt to save, again, anytime their quote-unquote lover spurns their attention, which would end the effect on a successful save. Otherwise, the condition is permanent and cannot no. be re- removed, <laughs> except with a successful wish spell. Oh my god, that's amazing! It's so wild! You can look these up. This one was on D&D Beyond. But oh my god, I was like, that That's is a the bananas best thing. Oh I've my ever god. Heard. I know it also they, the this cupid also has a poison dagger and then multi so it has a multi-attack, so you can take two attacks with a short bow, targeting two creatures <laughs> with different shots. It can also cast friends at will, and then three times a day can do charm person or sanctuary. Um they have cher- uh, cherubic sight, and so magical darkness doesn't impede their dark vision, so like that's pretty cool. They have magic resistance, so they have advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. But it's a challenge rating 5, so mm-hmm. not too shabby. Uh, it has an armor class of 19, and that's, wow. it's got natural armor. Uh, it has 72 hit points, and it can fly 20, or I think it's a 20-foot, sorry, 40-foot fly speed. It is, it has a negative, it has a, or no, it has a 6 in strength. But all the other stats are relatively, relatively decent. But it's got a bunch of resistances and a bunch of immunities, and it's oh gosh, yeah. well, but it's it's fun. I don't know. I thought that 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 short bow drives I do me love nuts that so much. The idea that it's, it 
a irreversible condition, basically. Irreversible. Oh my god, I think that's so funny. It's a child reading five. I love permanent consequences. But it's, oh my god, it's so funny. An 18. 18 saving throw. 18. (laughs) That's, anyways. But yeah, so that's that's what I've got for TNT Corner. Our pop culture corner is also pretty short. I literally, like... There, I couldn't find a ton of specifics, but, you know, obviously, Valentine's Day and the hallmarkification of that whole thing for Cupid. Um, there's lots of music about love and Cupid and stuff like that. Lots of poetry is referenced and obviously that sort of thing. And then, like we said, the Beauty and Beast was potentially and said to have been inspired by, by Cupid and Psyche. Oh. Yeah. Despite it being absolute trash, I do really like Beauty and the Beast. Me too. Mm-hmm. Hey. It's been a wild week. It has been a wild week. I hope y'all are having an alright time. I hope you're getting by in this in this troubled time of <laughs> in this year of twenty nineteen. Both, both meteorologically and uh in other ways. Uh yeah. so remember, we're from the north, so we can say <laughs> we can give advice. Walk like a penguin. Walk like a penguin, please. Please walk like a penguin so you don't slip and fall. Uh, put out salt. Uh, that's the end of my list. <laughs> Very good advice. Thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of Stunt Houses. Our next episode should be going up February 17th. Um, it's February. February. That's wild. We've been doing this for a while. Time goes uh, by. Yeah, we're still doing weekly episodes at yeah. this point. Um, I'm really enjoying have- it. I really am too. I think we'll we'll, we'll keep doing them uh, until we move, and then they might just stop for a, a minute. But we'll come back with some fun. So we have some cool things planned for when we move, so we can make it up mm-hmm. to you for having to maybe miss a week or two. But we'll get there when we get there. We have a while. But we right for, at this point, we pretty much have episodes planned through the end of March. Yee. So we're doing doing pretty decent. We've got something fun coming in March, and I don't really I don't know how we're gonna do this, but we're gonna try really hard. Extremely um, excited. It's going to be very fun. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to do our best to keep keep that up. Uh, if you enjoyed what you heard here today, please consider sharing our show with a friend. Rate, review, subscribe, all of the above, everything. It means a ton to us, and it helps with, like, podcast numbers, and it bumps our bumps our ratings and, and shows our show to other people. We hit uh, 2,000 right listens recently, and Caitlin we sent did. me a picture, and I was extremely excited. That's I, really cool. That's wild. Thank you, Y'all, everyone. Thank you I so love much you for specifically. That. I love you, listener specifically. Thank you. you. Hearing these words, it's you. Not it's you. Not it's you. It's only you. It's you. <laughs> Thanks for coming to our Thank you. Podcast. I yelled sorry about the levels there. <laughs> Thanks as we target you specifically. Um <laughs> thank you. To everyone who has been sharing our show, that has made that that a thing, made that possible. Because holy moly! Um, and thanks to everyone who's been tweeting about or recommending our show to promote us or share it with other people. We appreciate you getting the word out. This week's shoutouts go to Derek, Ed, Mo, Pidge, Blinny B. Sorry, I didn't have a name for that one. This is your username, Blinny B. And uh, our buddy Matthew, who Matthew. oh my god, oh my god, if Math. you guys. If you. y'all have not been on Twitter, you need to go look at our Twitter page right now. Maybe I'll, I'll try to, if I remember, link it to our Facebook page. Matthew did a play by, like a, a statistical rundown of our fight between a group of fairies and a werewolf D and D style to see what the percentages were on what on the outcomes for that. 
I didn't even consider their limited spell slots. Yeah, I know. So you can read, he wrote, wrote up a whole thread for us, and it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. So essentially, by the end of it, if every single thing went right for the Pixies, they have a 0.013% chance of keeping control and killing the werewolf. <laughs> so, we, we ended up guessing right. I've, either way, it worked out. But we were then talking about how many then Pixies would it take to overpower a werewolf. It would be, we came to the conclusion, too many. <laughs> too many. Too many So to thank count. you. Thank you, Matthew, for that. For anyone else, Thank it's you, a Matthew. really great read. Go, You can go check out that thread. It's awesome. He has stats and numbers and whatever. It's all very, very cool. We, we really appreciate it. Um, you, as well, can post about us and send us your... You, too, can create content for us. <laughs> D&D f- fighting breakdowns and tag us at StonehousesCast <laughs> or using hashtag StonehousesCast so we can see it and appreciate uh, you and thank you and if anyone wants to send us i think i'll probably post them tonight or tomorrow the uh our rankings our lists that oh, we yeah. ranked all the creatures in from the creature crunch so that if you all want to um if you have corals give us your let me know if you have I'll opinions you. <laughs> if you have opinions that aren't ours that's awesome and i'm really happy to hear that you can yeah. tell us what your rankings would be and we would love to hear about that so i'll i'll p- post them so you can I mean, hearing it audio is one thing, but like being able to actually look at them all at once. Mm-hmm. Great. So I'll do that. I'll do that pretty soon. And we would love to hear what your thoughts on those are. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Uh, oh, and you can also check us out at Cast on Twitter and Instagram, as well as Facebook.com forward slash StonehousesCast. Uh, this has been Stonehouses, an amateur guide to fiction, fable, and folklore. I'm Caitlin Bruder. I'm Laura Bernadette Meeker. Till next Thank time. Thank you so much. Bye. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Do the voice. Do the voice. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Why is that all voice that I do now? Oh no. <laughs> Goodbye, traveler. <laughs>